When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, you cannot have liberty exist. Uh, you cannot have liberty coexist with the state. The state's very existence is antithetical to liberty because at a minimum, let's take the minarchist example. Uh, you require the uh, extortion of property in the form of taxation in order to fund whatever minimal projects there would be, you know, minimal law enforcement. Lawmakers need to have some sort of, uh, you know, salary or, or wage or something um you need some you would probably need some sort of court system that you would need to be funded and honestly a lot of people will retaliate to that and say uh well you could make taxation voluntary the problem with that is that you can't guarantee one you couldn't guarantee adequate funding in which case the state would collapse or two it would it would cause the other people in society to rebel against those that aren't paying because they would be stealing from the collective uh, because they are reaping whatever benefits that the state would be providing without uh, paying into it. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I'm the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, okay? yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 131. I appreciate all the recent subscribers from the last episode. Make sure you check out the show sponsors, Element, Max, and Sledge to get all jacked and tan and hydrated. Today, I got uh, Derek Wills with me. We've been trying to make this happen for a little bit. Our schedule's finally worked out, so we could finally do it. Derek, how you doing, dude? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the patience and, and uh, accommodating my schedule. And then there's the, uh, I got banned on Twitter, so we uh, had no way of communicating at that point. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm good, man. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, dude, of course. Well, um, you had, I believe, connected with me over through Twitter and told me to check out your book, and I did. And this was a while ago that I checked it out, but um, I thought it was very, very well put together. Um, I don't know what the proper word I want to use. I, I keep wanting to say soliloquy, but I feel like that's an incorrect word. But I felt like it was a very, very good, like, beginner's guide to libertarianism and maybe even beyond that. But it's like a really good brief, like, you could hand this to somebody or give it to them via audiobook and say, hey, read this and this is going to kind of give you a real good comprehensive guide of libertarianism so um i guess let's start with first things first um what encouraged you to write uh the liberty solution right yeah so um 
a few years back, I was a, uh, I was a, I worked for a grassroots gun rights uh, organization. I did a lot of lobbying, um, at, did had a podcast, and, um, and part of that is we would hold rallies, and uh, I would give speeches. Um, I gave a speech at a rally we had in uh, Santa Fe, Texas, shortly after the the tragedy there that happened, um, and uh, I gave a speech on uh, liberty and um, the right to bear arms as was always the topic that I would talk about. Um, and after my speech, one particular uh, person came up to me and said, I really loved your speech. I feel like you should write a book. And I was like, you know what? I should write a book. That sounds like a great idea. And so the next day is whenever I, I started, uh, opened up my Word doc and, and started writing. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's a, a pretty... Uh pretty brief uh, dig right in there. But yeah, dude, that's really, really cool. And like I said, it seemed like a really uh, good book that you could just hand to like your mom or dad or somebody like that, that just has no clue what libertarianism is. And then they can get a really, really good brief on it and probably come away agreeing with a lot of it. Um, when you wrote the book, was that kind of your intended audience or what did you have in mind when you first wrote it? So yeah, I, I wanted to speak to uh, somebody that might be on the fence with libertarianism uh, or, or even somebody that, has, that at least has an open mind about it. Might not be uh, trending that way in any way, but wanted to hear um, that particular philosophy articulated. So that's kind of that – that was my focus um, throughout the, the – book, my philosophy actually changed a lot. Whenever I started, I was a pretty hardcore, um, you know, libertarian party type person. Um, I'm not that way anymore. I'm, uh, I'm full on anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist. Um, I, I don't believe in the legitimacy of, of the state in any way. Um, and so I needed to make sure that I still captured that. And essentially to, to tell anybody that's either a minarchist, a libertarian, uh, or even a conservative Republican, progressive, whomever, that, you know, people who say that the state is illegitimate or say that taxation is theft, they shouldn't be instantly dismissed. They, they're, what they bring to the table and the philosophy behind why anarcho-capitalism, voluntarism, libertarianism, uh, it is a legitimate discussion that we should all have. And uh, that was really important to me, and I, I'm, I'm glad that, that it came through and translated uh, to the reader and to the listener of the audiobook, uh, because I really tried to make sure that it was focused in that type of way. Nice, nice. Um, so what was it like kind of getting it published? Because that always seems to be a little bit of a rabbit hole for most authors. Um, I, I've kind of contemplated making an ebook on like fitness and doing tons of like deep dives on research and try to put that in a real digestible thing. Um, so I can't even like imagine what it is like to actually write like a, a physical book and an audio book to uh, kind of share that with people. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I'm incredibly proud to say uh, that Walter Block wrote the forward to the book. Okay, I'm glad um, you touched and, on that because I want to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I actually asked him his advice on what to do. And he told me that uh, whenever he first pitched Defending the Undefendables, uh, he got rejected 500 times before it finally got picked up. 
and published. And he said, keep on submitting. I got to about 200 rejections. And uh, I I got a little disheartened, to be honest, uh, because I know that a lot of people that work in publishing and literary agents, they're not the type that would be open to this. It's a very niche type market. Uh, it's never going to be a, a New York Times bestseller, right? Yeah. Um, and they're all in it to make money, as they should be. Uh, and as I'm venting my frustrations and, and networking as much as I can, uh, I ended up meeting a gentleman who also lives in the state of Texas, like I do, uh, who has worked in publishing, albeit he works in Christian publishing, uh, for the past 20 years. And uh, he and I talked about it, and he said, look, you might want to consider self-publishing, and here's why. He gave me a whole list of reasons, uh, namely, uh, self-publishing through Amazon yields a, a much larger royalty, um, but also the fact that, yeah, literary agents and publishing houses, uh, they, they can bring a lot to the table and help you market, but you're still going to ha- end up having to do all that legwork. So because of, of how niche uh, this book is, it would probably just be better to self-publish and, and market it myself. Uh, so I waited a little bit more, um, and and uh, you know I didn't want to ignore what what Doctor Block had told me, um, but I ultimately came to the decision. Yeah, you know that this is actually pretty sound advice. Um, so I decided to self-publish after about two hundred or so rejections. Uh, and Amazon actually makes it very easy to self-publish your work. So uh, I know a lot of people have problems with uh, Amazon and, and Jeff Bezos and, and what have you. But honestly, uh, their you know Kindle Direct Publishing is kind of a godsend for people like me uh, and anybody that wants to write a book. Uh, it doesn't matter what what the topic is. If you just want to write your own memoirs and nobody knows who you are that's fine. You can, you can get published. And uh, honestly, uh, I have no regrets at this point. Well, you know, I think the point you're speaking to here is something that uh, libertarians have been a little iffy on, especially over the last couple of years where um, you always heard that it's a private company bro argument from people who would get kicked off Twitter and stuff like that. And I feel like Amazon kind of breaches into that ground as well, if you follow what I'm saying. Like, this is kind of like the new Walmart almost, right? Um, this is almost like the new mall. So um, it, I don't want to say it's necessarily not a private company, but it, it's definitely kind of blurred that line because of, you know, the mix of, you know, the corporate and the state. And having this kind of, you know, thing available to you is kind of like having a public utility. And I actually don't say that in a pejorative way because it's very, very useful. Like um, people complain about Amazon, but the point I always make is like, I don't see anybody else saying we're going to have something, we're going to have a pump pre-workout available to your house in two days, right? When you could start doing that, um, then, you know, (laughs) okay, you've got a good product, right? So there is definitely a solid argument to make that Jeff Bezos has you know, fostered an incredible company. Now, whether that's all natural, um, that's definitely up for debate, obviously, but you can't really argue with the end of you know, the end of the day results. What's going on, guys? Um, we're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge. 
won't really focus in here, but uh, right here in my hand, I have their um, the grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, feel free to check it out. Um, this is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta, beta alanine, um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um, if you want to support me and support this podcast, then feel free to go to axandsledge.com and check out um, all their great supplements there and use code Matovic10, that's M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right, everybody. Thanks. Now back on to the show. Absolutely. I mean, uh, people can say what they will about Amazon. I have a prime account and I, my wife uses it regularly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, there's, if you can't find it on Amazon, do you really need it? That, so, uh, personally, I love being an Amazon shopper. Um, and, uh, I don't have any, any qualms. I mean, yeah. Um, Jeff Bezos isn't exactly the most uh, pro-liberty person in the world, but, Honestly, if we based all of our uh, market decisions off of somebody's politics, I don't think many of us would have too many options to choose from at that point. Um, you know, some people uh, don't want to go to Chick-fil-A because of their stance on, on um, gay rights. Um, I don't agree with their position on gay rights, but I love their chicken sandwiches, so I'm going to continue eating them. You know, I love me some Jesus chicken. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Uh, you know, if they start engaging in unethical, uh, business practices outside of their personal beliefs, um, then that may be a different story, but, uh, for the most part, they run a good business. They have a great product. Amazon is the same way. And really that's all the market demands. Right. Yeah. And I completely agree. And, um, this kind of goes to a point that actually I want to talk to you with about, um, today since it is two days after 9-11 um when it comes to an unethical business practices um you think about arms sales in the military industrial complex but before we kind of start diving down that uh rabbit hole um elaborate on your experience with the military because you were in the military if i remember correctly from your bio 2006 to 2011 or was it 2011 to 2015 i, I know there were fives in there i think it was uh 2005 to 2011 okay so um yeah, you're, you're, you're really close. Um, I'm sorry, repeat the question one more time. Um, I kind of elaborate on your experience with the military. Um, and I guess I kind of want to add this to, uh, I really appreciate this culture that the people who go into the military kind of have. And a lot of libertarians are reading right now, I can hear it already. But um, this idea of, you know, wanting to be a disciplined person and working hard to make yourself better and to serve something greater than yourself is incredibly admirable. The only part where people get lost and where people like you and I would disagree is for what they're doing it for. But you know, when you have this whole um, complex of public schools and this culture that tells people you're you know, the greatest person in the world, you're a hero for going and doing this, um, it really takes that noble drive that a lot of people have and use it for nefarious purposes. So um, I guess kind of elaborate on what uh, your military service and what kind of got you there and your thoughts, you know, from then to now. Yeah. Uh, so it's, um, I was just like any other 
kid coming out of high school, you know, growing up in a, in a conservative family, you know, my whole rationale behind joining was being a part of something bigger than yourself, serving your country, uh, you know, the typical bullet points. And uh, the, I, I started realizing that there were some things that just didn't add up, right? Uh, it, if I'm supposed to be defending American freedom, why am I out here defending an Iraqi company's oil platform? Started making me raise questions. And uh, it, it, a lot of it was really disheartening. Um, yeah, there's a lot of camaraderie in uh, the military and and rightfully so I mean you have to you really do have to defend depend on these people to uh, to have your back whenever uh, if you if you're ever engaged in any hostilities and that's a big ask for people that you may or may not know all that well you know so you you share that but one thing that uh, one thing that really doesn't get talked about a lot is the why you know we we all just assume the same why um and we just kind of take it for granted you know service members are all fed the same propaganda as the american civilian is and um you know you get a lot of people that uh in the military right now that would love to go to fight in ukraine for instance they don't really ask the questions and it's because of the conditioning that we've all been forced through in public indoctrination camps known as public schools um you know the the propaganda machine on your favorite mainstream news channel whenever you i mean it's it's hard to break that because you're essentially having to admit that everything that you know is a lie and that is not something that's easily done for even for me like Whenever I started coming to the realization that the military industrial complex is just a, 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 a criminal racket and we're sending people to die, uh, putting them in harm's way or to have them come home with a lifetime of mental scars that they're, they're, that they're never going to be able to fully cope with. Uh, also, you know, companies like Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, um, BAE, whomever uh, can continue growing and profiting and and all the lawmakers that voted for the war you know their portfolios are growing you know it, it's it, it's sickening it's it's a level of evil that i can't really put into words uh and it's it's disheartening and it, it really pisses me off to a level that i i can't uh it, that whole chapter was really rough for me to write because you know i've buried friends i have seen them struggle uh, with you know daily with night terrors and, and PTSD that it, that that doesn't get captured in uh, in the media or in movies the way that it should be you know uh, people getting violent you know that never would have had they not been dealing with this getting triggered by something so that seems so superfluous to the rest of us. And knowing that they're going to have to live like this for the rest of their lives, depending on how long that is, because, you know, a lot of them are killing themselves because they can't deal with it anymore. You know, it, when you think about that and you think about that, this is all essentially done for a, uh, a political chess match with nothing tied to, quote unquote, defending American liberty. 
it's it, it really is one of the most evil cons ever conceived. Wow. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And it's it was very, very jarring for me to learn about the uh, the significant evil that is the military industrial complex. And it's it was actually probably within the last four years that I really did. And I always consider myself a libertarian um, for probably the last 10 years or so. And then it wasn't until a little bit more recently that I really dug deep on the military stuff. And it really is just this sick, twisted machine that just chews people up and spits them out. And then on top of that, we go over to other countries and completely destroy these countries. Um, the one situation that comes to mind um, that a, another veteran had came on my show and spoke about it, um, the population of Afghanistan had tripled in the last 20 years that we were there. And then we propped them up with all this, you know, basically, hey, life is good. We're going to give you all this money. We're doing regime change. And then we pull the rug out from under them. And it's not to say that that rug should have ever been there in the first place. But it's just the fact that you see what the consequence of us meddling in another country's affairs are. And it just left that population decimated. So now you're going to have two generations of people that will never know the prosperity that their parents and some grandparents knew. All because, you know, the weapons manufacturers wanted to keep the gravy train rolling, essentially. Yeah. Now, you're... um... You're, 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 you're right. Uh, the military industrial complex is, is a, it needs to be talked about more. And, um, it, it, uh, another side to the military industrial complex, uh, is the, are the evils that the state does that the military doesn't take part in. Um, you know, clandestine operations by the CIA, uh, economic sanctions, which is nothing more than economic terrorism that is responsible for countless of innocent people getting killed uh, or dying of famine or, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, like I, I highlight in, in the book that uh, in the 90s, Madeleine Albright was asked about 500,000 children being, you know, dying as a result of economic sanctions on Iraq and being asked if that was worth it. And she goes, yes. Uh, like you're talking half a million children mm -hmm. like that had no skin in the game that died as a result of us foreign policy. And you're saying that the price is worth it. That's a level of evil. I, I will never understand. Right. I, I don't understand how people like that could really sleep at night knowing that you literally just said, I am okay with half a million children dying. Um, something that I've been, waving my hands a lot about recently has been this new cold war between um you know america russia and china and it, it's it's sincerely surprising to me how strong the propaganda is from both sides about these countries and all the lies and it doesn't take a lot of digging to find out how much we're being lied to and then um just to see the effect that it has on people where you have people in our you know state department marco rubio who's running for Congress down in Florida saying we should blow up Chinese warships and then we sanction these other countries. And then you have the president saying we're going to keep sending, um, you know, weapons to all these other countries. All right. Sorry about that, guys. And um, we were just kind of hitting on the Cold War with China stuff. It's been something I've been kind of waving my hands a lot with, but uh, it kind of goes to the larger point we've been talking about with the military industrial complex that, there's a lot of propaganda out there, and even people who are normally skeptical of government are falling for it now in 2022. 
And it's really sad because this could be kind of a doozy when you have two nuclear armed countries that were flirting and doing these proxy wars with almost. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts surrounding some of that going on as of late? Uh, well, um, China is a tyrannical shithole and um, America is a tyrannical shithole to a lesser degree. Uh, and when uh, authoritarians don't like each other, they will um, they will play a game of nuclear chicken as much as they can. I don't think anything will actually come of it. Uh, you know, just the absolute consequences of anything coming out of that would be so detrimental that anybody with half a brain can see that this is not a good idea to engage in. So uh, it's probably more, far more for political theater and political capital than anything else. It's, it's like whenever Trump was talking about uh, Kim Jong-un and his nuclear program uh, during I've his- got a bigger button. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's all the same. It's it's all reality TV. Um, of course, now they're they're playing with with real people's lives, and um, you know, but I, I don't think anything will come of it. I think it's just uh, you know, statists being statists and uh, saying I got a bigger stick than you do. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. Well, pivoting on to something else that I also wanted to get your opinion on, and I, I'm interested to have a little back and forth with you about this the abortion issue. So. Um, kind of lay out your thoughts on the abortion issue and where you've fallen on it. And I, I, like I said, I'm kind of curious to bounce some ideas off you and see kind of where we end up. Yeah, so this was actually one of uh, there's a handful of topics in the book that I talk about uh, where I changed position on. Uh, abortion is one of them. Uh, I have, you know, uh, then I grew up uh, up until even halfway through writing the book, I considered myself uh, very, very pro-life, uh, politically, philosophically, personally. Um, and I still think that abortion in the for the reasons of birth control is immoral. Um, I'm not going to pretend that it's not. But there is a property right associated with it. And that property right is uh, the pregnant individual's own body. Now, a lot of pro-choicers get a lot of flack and kind of rightfully so in their messaging, my body, my choice, because it's not articulated properly. Uh, it is the sentiment behind what I explain in the book, but I, go, I actually elaborate on it. Yes, I believe that life begins at conception. Yes, I think that life, uh, any, any individual's life, whether they are in utero or born, uh, they are entitled to the same natural rights of life, liberty, and property as we all are. Uh, and this seems to fly in the face of the rest of what I'm about to say in that abortion is also a natural, a natural right. And the reason is because Whenever a pregnant individual is uh, pregnant, uh, that was redundant, but anyway, point. <laughs> whenever, whenever somebody is pregnant, um, they still have full body autonomy. And yes, they have a separate life contained within them. Uh, but because they are the property owner of their uterus, of their own body, they have the ultimate say in... Um, whether or not it should remain. 
And because there is no uh, means by which an abortion can be taken uh, and can be undertaken that does not end the fetus's life, um, there is no other means by which you can do that. So that's the only way. It still retains its status as a natural right. Um, And I equate it to this. If you had a family member that was ill and it is a matter of fact that you are the only person on the face of the earth that can properly care for this individual, if you choose to bring them in uh, and give them care, what the pro-life argument is is that now you should be compelled to until they are able to take care of themselves. And if you don't, then the state should be able to come in and invoke violence against you in order to coerce you into doing that. It's the same thing with a pregnant individual. Yes, they made the choice to have uh, sex with somebody that, and knowing that they could have ended up pregnant. Uh, Yes, they did end up pregnant and that was a choice, but that is not the choice that they made. The choice that they made was to have sex with somebody. The consequences of that choice uh, they still have the, cha- the, the choice to change their mind. Um, that is another aspect of that is to say that, well, if somebody consents to sex right before and then in the middle they change their mind that, oh, nope, they already consented. They made the choice, so we're going to continue to have sex. That's rape. Um, because of the, the coercive factor, uh, you, cannot, you cannot argue that um, – Abortion is not a natural right because what you're what what a pro-life individual would be doing is saying that if you do not carry this pregnancy to term, then we are going to come in and invoke violence against you uh, and up to and including taking your life in order to ensure that you carry this pregnancy to term. Um that denies the property ownership of their own body, that are t- that denies pro- uh, body autonomy. Yes, it protects, it could theoretically protect the unborn child's life, um, but with the inherent threat of violence attached to it, it, it's kind of hypocritical and it's on its face. Um, There are cultural ways to do this without the state uh, in a stateless society, uh, but that's entirely up to the culture. You can't force a culture to believe that it's, that it is uh, acceptable um, or you cannot force a culture to change overnight. So if they culturally believe that a um, that a, that an abortion up to 20, 25 weeks gestation is acceptable, then it's not anybody else's place, no matter how adamantly they disagree with it, to say you're wrong, and so now I'm going to invoke violence against you. Um, and so that that's kind of it in a nutshell. I kind of I know I kind of bounced around on a, a, a few different examples but uh you you said that you wanted to kind of bounce some things off so let, let's let's hear it. let's hear it yeah no, no i just wanted to make sure you kind of felt like you got your full thoughts out before i kind of say anything to it and i like that you brought it back to the choice but where i would give you pushback is that i would almost look at this as a contract as you understand foregoing sex that the consequence is having a child i mean this is what that is that specific action is for that when you look at it at the end of the day, no matter what, that's what we're physically wired for. 
Um, so when you voluntarily consent to have sex, then you therefore understand the consequences. Just as the same way as if you were to operate a vehicle intoxicated, you understand the potential um, downsides and costs of that being you could kill somebody because you chose an action that's going to result in a certain consequence. So by your action of having sex, then you accept the consequences and the risks that therefore come with that, which would be that you get pregnant. Um, and I don't think that you have the right to end that life because you therefore took the decision. You volunteer, you voluntarily made the decision to have sex and assume the risk of becoming pregnant. Therefore that doesn't give you the right to kill the uh, fetus. And I don't want, like, this isn't meant to be a hot debate and it's not like I'm going to sit here and railroad you over it, but I, I just kind of want to see what your response to that would be, because I haven't talked to too many libertarians who are pro-choice that were able to give me pushback that I felt was reasonable, like that I would say, okay, well, that's a good point. Okay. So, um, you, you said you make the choice to knowing the consequences, uh, does it change your mind if they um, made the choice intending to get pregnant, got pregnant, and then changed their mind after? Does that change the, the variables in any way? Personally, for me, no, because you understood that risk going in. And that, once again, if life is to begin a conception, then that life, you, once again, you accepted the fact that you're creating this life now. So therefore, it is immoral to end it now. The part where I get uncomfortable with this is that, okay, well, what do you do with this in a stateless society? Because you can't have, it's like, what are the ramifications look like? So um, right. I know that's kind of going beyond your question, but um, yeah, basically in my mind, no, I don't think changing your mind afterwards would mean that you could end that life. And that's just my opinion on that. Right. And uh, I was actually going to follow up and uh, with that very sentiment, what are, what are your what are going to be your personal means of ensuring that somebody carries it to term? Because if it's just you uh, in a stateless society and the cultural belief is that an abortion is acceptable up to a certain period that you personally disagree with, um, what to what end are you going to, um, I guess, try and stop the abortion from taking place? Right. And that's kind of where, <laughs> where the line <laughs> runs out. It, it's like, well, in all actuality, I, I wouldn't be able to stop anybody without violating some other form of aggression because this is somebody else's choice. I do not agree with that choice. I think you're murdering somebody, but it's like, okay, well, how do you stop a murder um, of a fetus that's inside a woman without potentially killing that woman? Um once again, I don't have an answer. Yeah. This isn't something that I and, like. And and honestly, I think that we have more in common with this particular topic than we don't. Okay. Um, you know, like like I said, I I do believe life begins at conception, and I do think that that life is entitled to the same natural rights as everybody else's. Um, but I also kind of recognize the fact that there is no way to prevent a woman or a pregnant individual from undergoing an abortion. Um, in a stateless society. And honestly, because of because it ultimately is, I will I will maintain that it is their right to do because it is their own body. And you know, if they if they welcome somebody into their home, 
uh, to, to care for them and then change their mind, even though that changing their mind would factually result in that person dying, uh, they still have the right to make that choice. And the same applies to an unborn fetus as well. Um, and because I, I draw that corollary between the two, um, ultimately, I don't pass any judgment on any pregnant individual that gets an abortion because ultimately it's not my decision to make. It's theirs. It's between them and um, it's, it's, it's ultimately between them and if they believe in God or not. Uh, it's between them and their partner uh, if their partner is in the, in the picture. Um, but it's ultimately their choice to make. I can't cast judgment on it. I can disagree with it all I want. And that's kind of where this entire country has gone bass backwards is that we can disagree on what you do. But instead of saying, I'll defend them to the death, you're right to do it. It's, I disagree with what you do and I'm going to make the state and force you to change your ways or else they're going to murder you. Right. You know, and, and that's ultimately uh, the crux of any topic, no matter what it is. If if your disagreement takes you to the level where you're going to allow the state or some other entity to invoke violence on somebody, well, then then you're not a you're you're not a pro liberty person, no matter what your opinions are. Uh, so that's kind of how I would retaliate with that. Is that satisfactory or? Yeah, no, no, I totally think that's reasonable. And like I said, this is kind of a sticky area where um, I don't like where it comes down to kind of where it leads. Is it the same deal with uh, like when it comes to the rape exception? Um, in my mind, I think that's okay because you didn't voluntarily take that action, but it can't be something that you change your mind on. It's, hey, let's as soon as possible because I did not consent to this. But, you know, if now you've enabled this for, you know, to the point where eight months or so down the line, then at that point, it's like, okay, well, you've had all this time to, you know, as much as I hate to say, kill the baby that you did not choose to, you know, get. Um, I just, you know, the, the you're causing undue suffering because it's definitely going to suffer a lot more at that point than at a little bit of an earlier point. And like I said, this isn't something that I like to say. It's not something I'm necessarily comfortable with, but in my mind, that's where it is. And then when it comes to, um, you know, non-viable pregnancies, if it's the mother or the fetus, then in my mind, um, the mother's life takes agency because she's already, um, you know, a sentient being. So that's kind of where I fall on that. All right, guys, um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT Electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink, sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day 
and hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast. And uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys. Thanks. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on with the abortion issue? Because I had something I wanted to pivot to. No, no, by all means, let's uh, okay, let's cool. pivot away. So I actually like that you brought up the cultural value of this too, because I think this is where um, we need to go to advance this. And it's very, very important. So I feel like um, abortion largely is a cultural issue because we've taught people to not understand that the consequence of having sex is having a child. And that goes for a lot of things as well. Like even when it comes to like interest rates and stuff like that, where people don't understand that interest rates are information, right? It's basically data telling people what the value of money is at a certain time. So we've really eliminated a lot of cultural enforcement and, um, you know, basically, took away a lot of socially conservative values, which I view as a generally good thing from people, which now um, kind of makes it a little bit harder for them to tolerate the responsibility that inherently comes with freedom. Now, that's just kind of the way I look at it, but um, I'm curious what your kind of thoughts around culture and some of the stuff I just laid out are. Well, I mean, a culture is basically, uh, it's what we all strive to develop, right? You, mm -hmm. I, I don't like uh, I used to, but I don't like the, uh, the phrase we, the people, because it's a collectivist identity, right? Um, you know, I'm, we're Americans, I'm a Texan, whatever the case may be. It's, it's all this cult, uh, this, uh, collectivist identity. What they're really striving for is a cultural identity, which is a, is different from a collectivist identity. A collectivist identity requires essentially, um, you know, the sacrifice of, you know, your own aspirations for the benefit of the greater good. Mm -hmm. A culture doesn't necessarily have to have that aspect. It can, certainly, but it doesn't have to. And that's what differentiates a, a collectivist and a cultural identity. In a culture uh, that where um, like-minded individuals essentially create non-binding, um, quote-unquote, laws or guidelines – uh, you know, they have the power to really drive the society that they want. And this could be an anarcho-capitalist society. It could even function as an anarcho-communist society, provided you don't piss people off by taking their stuff. Uh, but, you know, uh, the power that a culture has really is uh, the, the keystone to any real philosophy. And if you, if, if the culture is tailored to um to allowing or to um i guess focusing individualism and liberty uh which a lot of americans proclaim but isn't actually accurate but if it actually was uh that society would be in insanely awesome I don't, I don't know how else to to describe it because yeah the culture is a collectivist a, a collectivist sort of definition but with the individual taking priority and there, there, that sort of thing, it would be unheard of if it were to come to fruition because nobody has ever been able to successfully achieve it because they want to achieve it through coercive measures um, as we see everywhere else. So I think the power that a culture can have is infinite, honestly. Right. Yeah. And I totally think that's true. And that's why personally for me, I've tried to 
encourage health and fitness to other libertarians because in my mind the way that this plays out is that you need very very influential people to speak about libertarian issues right when you're an influential person then a lot of people are going to listen to you and they're going to buy into your ideas um through the fact that you have a relationship capital with these people because you've influenced them in some way so as you become a more influential and important person to people then that message spreads these people believe that message and it's kind of like the butterfly effect right if we're influential people we're doing things we're engaging in culture then eventually more and more people are going to desire a culture of liberty and freedom which i think is more important than trying to have this top-down approach of where we get somebody in the white house and then they install liberty with an iron fist which could that happen Maybe, but is that sustainable? No. Um, in my mind, you need the cultural you, you need the cultural backing to it, and you need a populace that accepts liberty and freedom as their highest values. Absolutely. Uh, you, I mean, uh, it, really, a culture is a natural evolution, and anything else is artificial. And whenever you try to artificially create liberty, it's not it's not good. Uh, whenever you try to artificially, um, you know instill values in people they don't take hold cultural culturally speaking they have a lot better chance of taking hold and and your ideals coming to fruition than in any other way and you can't force it um you know you, you can't force somebody to have a moral compass you can't force somebody to believe in god or not believe in god you can't force anybody to, you really can't force anybody to do anything that they don't want to do um they might comply but they that doesn't mean that they accept it you know if, if i put a gun to somebody's head and say you're going to convert to x religion well th they might say sure they might follow all of the tenets of that particular religion and uh you know on the outside but inside they're like i hate this and i'm being forced to do it so uh you know it, it's it's not um it's, it's actually no way to live you know you you can't you can't expect a good quality of life if you're trying to force uh force cultural views on somebody yeah i agree completely um so we've been shooting the shit now for a little bit. Um, I kind of want to get a few I, or a few more things off you, and then we'll call it a wrap. Um, what is the way forward? And I know that's such a loaded question, but what do you see as the way to move forward towards this culture that we're kind of talking about? I, I don't. That is a tough question to answer. Yeah. I would love to be able to. Um, just what we were talking about. I would love to force everybody to understand my point of view and, and, and take that as this is the definitive philosophy that we should all follow starting today. Uh, but I know that I can't do that. I think that in order to gen genuinely achieve that, it's going to take a lot of bad things in the world happening. Um, it's going to take some sort of global economic collapse. Um, it's going to cost the lives of hundreds of millions, if not north of a billion people, um, you know, you're going to have people starving. You're going to have famine. Um, but ultimately, it's going to have to be what many would consider the Great Reset to take place. Um, and in that, you could see liberty-minded people flocking together and creating this society where they champion the individual over the collective. I think that would be what it would take because I, I think that if they tried it 
um, any other way. And don't get me wrong. I, I love like the free, I love the free state project and, and what they're doing. Um, but I think that the state will not allow for a peaceful divorce or a peaceful secession. Um, history has shown that they do not. And if it were tried, I think that there would be a, uh, a lot of, a, a lot of bloodshed as well. And uh, ultimately, it would come down to who has more guns. And unfortunately, I believe that that would be the state. And because of the brainwashing and propaganda that takes place, they would all believe that they're doing it for the greater good, even though everything that they're doing is an antithetical to liberty. Wow. Jeez. Well, we'll, we'll end on an up note. Jeez, man, that was rough. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't entirely disagree, though. Um, I, I was quote tweeting a certain libertarian today where they were complaining about the Iran nuclear deal. And I could tell they've been repeatedly bad on this issue. And I could tell they have no idea what they're talking about. And they were also complaining about uh, the raising of interest rates. And once again, when you're a libertarian and you understand Austrian economics, you know that interest rates in a higher um, debt environment are a good thing, but it encourages people to save rather than spend their money. Um it was astonishing to me that this person has almost 200,000 followers on Twitter and they don't, they wouldn't know their ass from a hole in the ground, apparently. Um, so, uh, what does liberty look like to you, Derek? Um, liberty exists in a space where the state does not. Uh, you cannot have liberty exist, uh, you cannot have liberty coexist with the state. The state very existence is antithetical to liberty because at a minimum, let's take the menarchist example, uh, you require the uh, extortion of property in the form of taxation in order to fund whatever minimal projects there would be, you know, minimal law enforcement, lawmakers need to have some sort of, uh, you know, salary or, or wage or something. Um, you need some, you would probably need some sort of court system that you would need to be funded. And honestly, a lot of people will retaliate to that and say, uh, well, you could make taxation voluntary. The problem with that is that you can't guarantee one, you couldn't guarantee adequate funding, in which case the state would collapse or two, it would, it would cause the other people in society to rebel against those that aren't paying because they would be stealing from the collective uh, because they are reaping whatever benefits that the state would be providing without uh, paying into it. Um, and so at that point, if you're going to make taxation voluntary, just make everything a private entity uh, and volunteer, volunteer your funds to whatever business you want. Um, you, you can't – ultimately, uh, there is no state that could ever exist. The U.S. in 1787 uh, was still a statist society. It did not contain liberty. Did it have abs uh, an insanely amount more liberty compared to today? Absolutely. But it didn't contain liberty because people were still having uh, products that they were importing being taxed. And if they didn't pay the tax, then they were facing violence from the state. That's no way to live. That if anybody else were to do that, we would call that organized crime. Uh, and um, we would say that is highly illegal. 
and uh, what you're doing is immoral and wrong, and we're going to put you in a jail cell for the rest of your life. But when the state does it, I guess it's it's okay. So, <laughs> right, yeah, I got you. What does health look like to you? Health? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Um, <laughs> uh, not 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 me. <laughs> I'm working on it, but uh, I'm. Uh, let's see, health. Uh, probably Zach Efron and his ten abs. I don't understand that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know how else to answer that to be completely honest oh, you know I, I, I just asked that to every single guest just to kind of see where their mind goes with it but uh yeah dude um I really enjoyed this chat where can everybody find you uh check out your book and everything else well uh you can find me on Facebook at gentlemen for Liberty uh you can find me on Twitter at gents with a Z because my primary account got banned uh gents the number four Liberty um and I'm on Instagram at gentlemen for Liberty. Uh, I do have a podcast, but we're kind of on a hiatus at the moment just because schedules are insane and I just I don't have the time to dedicate to it that I would like. But hopefully we can get that going at some point, uh, which is really sad because the last episode we did, I entitled We're Back and talking about how I'm glad that we're back and we're going to make this a regular thing. And then I proceeded to not make it a regular thing. Um, so, uh, there, there's that, but you can find the, the 20 something episodes that we got on, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, uh, the usual platforms. Um, and, uh, probably I'm most active on Twitter. Um, and, uh, I would really like to get my 2000 followers back that they, uh, denied me. Um, you can get the, uh, you can get the Liberty solution on Amazon. Um, just, uh, just type it in. You'll see that, uh, there's a forward by Walter Block, and uh, I would very much appreciate it. You can also get the audiobook on Audible as well. Nice. Well, uh, I definitely recommend everybody go check that out. I definitely enjoyed it, and I thought it was a really, really great book. And as I've kind of laid out throughout this podcast, and hopefully Derek um, did satisfactorily for everyone else, I know he did for me, um, make his case for the Liberty Solution and uh, as to why you should go pick it up. And like I said, I definitely recommend everybody picking it up. And especially if you're not a libertarian right now, maybe this book might push you over the edge. So uh, Derek, if y'all got anything else, we'll close her out. No, that's it, man. I appreciate you having me very much. Of course. All right, everybody. Until next time, take care. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.